Well, it's an otherwise ordinary day when he hears the extraordinary question, am I dead? And truth be told, it's uh, not the kind of question that Wesley Autry, a 50-year-old father of two, was expecting to hear. Because January 2nd, 2007, was a day like any other. I get out of bed, he says, get up and put one foot in front of the other. And as you get to know him a little better, uh, you realize that he's just an ordinary guy, not so different from people like me and you. A Navy vet, he says, I work in construction. And on this particular day, uh, he spends the morning at home because it's his job to watch after his two daughters, and shortly after lunch, because he works that afternoon, uh, there's this shuffle that's grown all too familiar. He gets his girls ready, he takes them across New York City, and he brings them to their mothers. It's a rather uh, short walk from his apartment to the subway station at Broadway and 137th, and when he gets there, you can just begin to imagine the sort of look that would have been on his face. Uh, because every single Tuesday follows the exact same pattern. A few hours with his girls in the morning, a mad dash across the city, and then a, a job that barely pays the bills. So you wouldn't blame him if he thought, you know, where's my life going? What am I doing? How did I get here? Yet it's in that very moment down on the subway uh, when something unexpected happens. See, a 20-year-old guy begins having convulsions off in the distance, and it's pretty obvious that this guy's having a seizure. Oh, but that's only the beginning of the story because he stumbles off the platform, down onto the tracks, right as a train is coming. I had to make a split-second decision, he later tells a reporter. And so I jump down and I, I try to pick him up, but he keeps slipping through my fingers, and, and the train is getting closer and closer, 50 feet, 20 feet. 10 feet, and then it's right there. And he does the only thing he can think to do. I push the guy down, and I flatten our bodies beneath the tracks. And if you're watching, you've got to imagine that there's this horrific silence. I mean, his two girls are standing 10 feet away, and everyone else is wondering what happens next, and that's when the first car passes over. And then another, and another, and another. And as shocking as it may seem, these two guys actually survive. The first car, Wesley explains, barely grazes my calf. And then get this, when the train finally comes to a stop, the man beneath him wakes up and says, of all things, am I dead? <laughs> now, it's a pretty incredible story. But the thing I find even more incredible is that in a time and a place that Wesley never expected, God puts him to work. And even though he doesn't know where his life's going, even though he doesn't know what he's doing, even though he doesn't know exactly how he got there, God shows him that he can always trust in him because he's always got a use for Wesley. And that brings us uh, to our reading today. And in many ways, I think today's reading is just like this Wesley's story. You see, it's a story about a man who uh, doesn't know exactly where he's going, what he's doing, or how he got there. Uh, but it's a story of a man who shows us that even when we can't see the way, we can trust God because he's always got a use for us. 
And before we get there, I think a little bit of background is probably helpful uh, because today's reading is about a man named Philip. And uh, in the Bible, you meet in the New Testament two Philips. There's the Philip we meet in the Gospels, and there's the Philip we meet today. Now, the Philip we meet in the Gospels is one of Jesus' disciples. He grew up in Galilee, and uh, he's probably more familiar to many of us. But the Philip we meet today is a completely different person. And while we don't know a whole lot about him, what we do know comes from the book of Acts, and so that's the best place to set the stage for the scene that happens. You see, it's shortly after the resurrection, 40 days Jesus has spent with his disciples, and as the book begins, two very important things happen. First, Jesus ascends into heaven. He returns to his Father, and second, he sends his Spirit. He gives birth to the church. And the day of Pentecost is a powerful day. I mean, thousands upon thousands of people begin to believe. And the days and weeks that follow, so do thousands more. Except this creates a little bit of a problem. These thousands of people create thousands of needs. So some people are sick, others are old, there's widows and orphans, and as time passes, uh, it becomes pretty obvious that the disciples just can't keep up. And so who does God appoint? Who does he select to take care of this very important ministry? Well, seven men, and one of them is a man named Philip. He's a Greek-speaking Jew who's full of the Spirit, and God selects him, appoints him, uses him to feed hungry people in Jerusalem. Now, time passes, a couple of months, maybe even a year or two. We're not really sure how long, but eventually persecution breaks out in the city. And when it does, God sends Philip up to Samaria, and there incredible things continue to happen. I mean, the sick are healed, the lame begin to walk, the message about Jesus continues to spread, and that's where we find ourselves when today's story opens. See, Philip is hard at work, and in the midst of it all, he receives this pretty vague message from God. Get up, God says, go south, and take the road, the desert road, the one that goes down from Jerusalem. And if you're Philip, that's it. And that's why a million thoughts must race through your mind. I mean, I got important work to do. You got to be kidding me, Lord. You want me to wander down a desert road away from all the action? Where am I going? What am I doing? How will I get there? But as the story continues, Philip is faithful to God. And God shows him that even when he can't see the way, he can trust in him because God's always got a use for us. Now, if you uh, happen to be here last Sunday, you know that it was a pretty exciting Sunday here at St. Andrew. You see, we celebrated the 10th anniversary of the dedication of this house of worship. And uh, as someone who wasn't here 10 years ago, when it all happened, it's, it's always impressive for me to hear everything it took to make it happen. I mean, uh, thousands of hours, millions of dollars, good leadership, and, and a bunch of trust that the God you were following would actually bring you here. Uh, but as impressive as that is, uh, what I find even more impressive isn't what it took. It's why it came. 
See, I know a lot of people who would uh, relocate their church uh, for a better building or better parking, better bathrooms. But that's not why you came. You came because more people needed to hear. More people needed to hear about Jesus, that in him there is life and salvation, that in him there is always a second chance, that in him, even when you can't see the way, God's always got a use for you. One of my favorite moments actually happened last week at this service. It was shortly after the offering, and everyone who wasn't here for the relocation raised their hands. So I raised my hand, and, and so did half of the people in this room. You know, 10 years ago, people from this church said that this building is for all of you. It's for all of you and all the other people who still need to hear. And so in response to uh, everything that God has done, uh, we invited you, we asked you to write thank you notes to God. Dear Lord, one reads, thank you for having faith in me even when I questioned my faith in you. Dear Lord, thank you for freedom, for freedom from addiction and new life in your son. Dear Lord, thank you for loving me no matter what. And last week as I was reading through them, what surprised me was that as many of them were about what God has done for you, many more were about what God has done through you. Dear Lord, thank you for using me to help orphans. Dear Lord, thank you for letting me love others. Dear Lord, thank you for equipping me every week to go out and serve. And as I was reading them, I, I couldn't help but think about this sermon I'm writing about Philip. Because you see, Philip, Philip could be any one of you. I mean, just like Philip, God has touched your lives in so many different ways, changed everything about them. And just like Philip, it's not so much about what God can do for you. It's about what God can do through you. That's why I find this reading so relatable, because God wants, or Philip wants God to work through him. But he's just not sure how. You want me to wander down a desert road in the middle of nowhere, away from all the action? Come on, Lord. you got to be kidding me. I think we've all been there before. I mean, you're, you're stuck in a dead-end job. God, where's my life going? You're changing a day to, day, dirty diaper. You're, you're wiping a runny nose. God, what are you doing? Maybe you're just trapped in the same old pattern again after again. God, how did I end up here? And it's in moments like this, God speaks to you. He points at Philip and says, you know, when there was a need in Jerusalem, I used him. And when there was a persecution in the city, I sent him to Samaria. And when he was wandering down a desert road in the middle of nowhere, I worked through him. And this Ethiopian eunuch, the first Gentile Christian, was baptized into the faith. You see, Philip's life is one example after another that even when you can't see the way, God has always got a use for you. Now, it was about three years later, three years after Wesley Autry had saved that man on the subway, that the hosts of Radiolab caught up with him. Do you ever wonder, they asked him in an interview, either in the moment or, or, or later, 
What am I doing? You know, Wesley's uh, response caught me really off guard because for him, there's not a single question about it. I was chosen for that, he says. And he tells you why. 20 years ago, I had a gun pointed at my head. That was a misfire, but I've always wondered why God spared my life. And then I'm standing there on that platform. As he goes on, you can tell that's how his story continues to unfold. You know, I think sometimes our lives look like this. I mean, sometimes our mission and purpose and direction is crystal clear. But other times, a lot of times, most times, I don't think it is. And it's in moments like that that we simply have to trust. And the testimony of Wesley, the testimony of Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch, the testimony of every Christian that's gone before us, is that you really can. Because even when you can't see the way, you can trust in him. Even when you can't see the way, he's always got a use for you. And so when you wonder, you know, where is my life going? What am I doing? How did I get here? May their testimonies be an encouragement to you. Because it's not so much about what God can do for you. It's about what God can do through you. And if the testimony of this place has anything to say, it's that even when you can't see it, God's always at work because he wants you and he needs you and he uses you so that many more may hear. Amen.